You are now listening to the Whipped Cream Podcast with Bianca Harris and Chantel Chapman. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Please don't forget to leave us a five-star review if you are enjoying the show. And you are listening to part two of our interview with the somatic witch, Andrea Glick. Uh, Like we said in our last episode, we thought it would be a better idea to kind of split this up. And based on your responses, um, I'm glad that we did. Uh, I got a lot of messages from people saying that they really enjoyed the episode and learned a lot, which is the whole point. So hope you enjoy part two. Let's get into it. Here's what comes to mind. Um, I mean, I think about this a lot too, but I always think about like, okay, we are so privileged to be in a time where we even have time to do this work. Yeah. Right. And I think about my grandparents and I'm like, they didn't have time to like figure out themselves and figure out their shit and all their trauma. And so I'm like, how do you factor that into like being someone who's like working all day and doesn't have time, like literally, or can't afford, like I hear this a lot, like, Many people around me like, I can't afford to get a therapist. How am I supposed of to do course. this? How am I supposed to do that? How yeah. do you actually do that? How do you actually do this work and be a human in this society? I think about that all yeah, the time. Yeah, totally. <laughs> no, I mean, it, it really is the people who need it the most don't have access to it, which is yeah. just completely devastating. I mean, I, I will say, at least in New York, there are a lot of really wonderful places that do offer slight, low sliding scale or take, um, take insurance or... Um, have like certain slots available for folks who are undocumented. So there are services that are available for people. Um, there are some places where that's just not the case, which is really difficult. Um, but I do think that self-education, even if it's like on your commute and you're listening to a podcast, mm-hmm. reading a book, like this knowledge is available. And there are people like myself who are like, people should know this stuff. Like this shouldn't be secret. Um, so, you know, I think like that's a, like buying books on attachment, buying books on somatic healing. I think all of that is really helpful. And so even if it's something that you do on your commute or um, literally five minutes a day, um, I do think that 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 will be life-changing. And then I think that it is finding these everyday, finding these everyday things we have to do anyways and reframing them as, as, as attachment repair or as healing our nervous system. So like people do need to shower, right? So some people don't have access to that. A lot of people are able to shower every day or at least every couple days. So what if you put lavender at the bottom of your shower instead of just like going in, got to get ready for work, taking a shower. And you were like, I deserve to like feel my body and be connected to my body. And lavender is like scientifically proven to calm the nervous system. So there you are, like there's something you can do. But if you frame it as like, yeah, self-care, you know, like that's kind of meaningless at this point, right? Like it doesn't I mean love that you're saying this because you have no idea that I have <laughs> such an issue with the self-care hashtag. It's not even funny. Totally. Like it's just become so gross. So thank I you. I agree. Oh yeah, totally. No, it's so many things. But healing your nervous system, yeah. Attachment repair, yes, right? But you have to frame it that way. Like you, or even like people who exercise and don't frame it as like discharging extra traumatic or stressful energy. I am just like, how do you motivate yourself to do this? Oh, and then I'm like, oh, diet culture. Wow. Like the worst, but that is what that is supposed to be. Like we are supposed to expel extra cortisol and adrenaline through movement. We always have since like the dawn of 
womankind. Like we have done this, right? So like we need Womankind, to buy- I love it. <laughs> I can't help myself. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like what a gift you're giving yourself instead of like working out. If you're like, I'm going to go to the, to a class or I'm going to take a walk, I'm going to take a run or I'm going to like do some stretching in my office, apartment, whatever, um, as a way to soothe my nervous system, right? I'm like showing up for myself, which again, there you have the attachment repair. You're showing up for yourself. You are saying I am worthy of feeling good in my body. I am worthy of not carrying this extra cortisol around in my nervous system, right? So, uh, or my body. And, and so all of these are like little opportunities that just have to be framed in the right way. Um, and then people are really able to, I think, have it work into their lives a little bit more. Um, I mean, yeah, I think also that's the thing too, is like, I have worked in clinics that only serve folks who are sitting at the margins of so many different oppressions and the things that, that I have watched people be able to do for themselves who have zero resources and the, and the resilience that is there and the ability to tap into their somatic resources is, is incredible. So I really believe that every single person is able to do this on some level. Yeah. Thank you so much for saying that. I think that's amazing yeah. because I have that thought a lot of the time. I mean, even just about myself, I'm like, I have yeah. so much, I have so much time to just like, even I have so much time, even when I come home from work and I'm exhausted to like, still work on my shit and meditate I know. And all my totally. stuff. Right. So I think about that a lot. So yeah. important to yeah. mention for sure. Totally. Totally. The, um, I love just like the simplicity of the reframing the things you're already yeah. doing. And I, you know, I like learned about the nervous system a few years ago and on my own path of healing, that is something that I, I did. Like I started being like, okay, I'm doing this because of my nervous system. Like, and I started yeah. just like changing the language and it is so much more powerful to, to take that approach. You become yeah. mindful at a different level. And, and when I work with clients around money, I also use that too. It's like, Okay, yeah. what is this spending doing for the nervous system? Like, Ooh, yeah, yeah. Wow. and it's incredible. Like how when it's when it's not like you know, like you mentioned, diet culture, or like you know, when it's cha- moving away from the superficial and just tun- tuning back inwards. Yeah, yeah, you have a bit of a different relationship with it. Yes. Um, yeah, we had a we had a guest on the podcast a few months ago. He's a counselor at Passages, um, which is a a treatment center in California. Um, And Bianca and I, he's a wonderful man. His name's Aka Jackson. And Bianca and I were like, Aka, how do we find a man like you? (laughs) Yeah, totally. And he goes, he's like, you know, you want to look for a partner that is – cultivating the strength of their nervous system <laughs> Ooh, oh shit okay. <laughs> like yes wow <laughs> that's really cool. really stuck with me and it's like not only do you know you want to do that for yourself but like being around people too that want to cultivate the strengthening of their nervous system is also I think a healthy thing yeah oh absolutely that's such a nice sentiment I love that and I would say also like um and really like digging into the cognitive and somatic effect of oppression and privilege too, yeah. right? Which is so connected to the, to the nervous system as well. But I think if you're someone who wants to date somebody masculine of any gender at all, like you have to look for someone who is so self-critical and self-examining of that way of inhabiting your body in the world that we live in, 
Um, And there's a way to utilize the nervous system for that too, right? Like if you only feel good in your body when you're like putting others down or taking up space in a really particular way, like that should be examined, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I was just looking at some of my notes here and I want, I really want to touch on this because it rings so true for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, not as much anymore in my life, but definitely. Um, And I think it'll be really important for, for a lot of our listeners, but there was something that there was a post that you put up and um, it said, keeping yourself busy is a trauma response. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's so I know that's like kind of broad, but can you talk about why you even posted that and, and what you mean by it? Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, I talk about this with clients, with some of my clients who are like crushing it. Like their hustles are just like, absurd, right? Like they're like working full-time, also self-employed as this like freelancer. They're like getting to a yoga class every day. They're seeing me two times a week. Like they're just like crushing it. And they are like, no one is seeing how much pain I'm in or how unhappy I am, or I wish I could fall apart so I could get the help I really need, but I only know how to do this thing. Right. And so For a lot of people, and I think this really rings true for women and folks of color who don't have the privilege of falling apart, right? And just the sort of way to manage the intensity of what they're going through is to avoid, avoid, avoid. And the way of doing that is to pack every single second of their day with something. So they don't have to sit with the, with the flashbacks. They don't have to sit with the negative emotions, right? And so, and everybody is going to give you so much validation validation for that right yeah like look at you like you are like yes like look at you right when all that person wants to hear is like are you okay Mm -hmm. because you don't actually seem okay right or you seem too okay or you seem like too busy like when are you just sitting with yourself and is that like like does that feel okay like what is going on and so I think especially in capitalism and in this particular moment we're in where it's no longer enough to have a job. You have to have like four jobs, but you also have to have a creative practice. That's like getting you a lot of likes and follows. Like we just are asking for so much from people because of the material reality and the societal reality of our world that this is a great way for people to just avoid so much pain and unresolved trauma. It's something that I see so much because I've been uh, in the makeup industry for the last over 10 years mm-hmm. now. Wow. And it's something that I'm, I mean, I have so much respect for how much it's taught me, but it's also, it's also taught me so much about this work because yeah. everyone that I encounter in, in that industry is that like <laughs> working nonstop schedules packed morning till night, even when they're, when we're done from set after a 14 hour day, more stuff. And I'm just like, it's become so apparent to me because I was that person too. And then yeah. I just couldn't, like I had a complete breakdown. Totally. Um, yeah. That I'm like, whoa, there is something way deeper going on in there. And we're also, it's like rise and grind and like work your ass off in this whole thing that is like so encouraged. And I was like, I was the most miserable when I was the busiest and Uh everybody thought I was doing amazing. Yeah, totally. And also like the way that a lot of people don't have the option to do anything else other than that, like financially, right? Like the way that like rents are increasing and like job insecurity, like all of these things, like it's, it's reinforced by our society as well that we should be this way, not only because we get positive 
um, validation for it, but also because it is like sometimes the only option for a lot of people. And I think that sometimes that's unavoidable, but there is always, again, there's always an opportunity to sit with yourself, to reflect on your emotions, no matter how much you have to work. And it's like the person who's like working up until they literally like put their phone down. Um, that is really like, okay, but you can at least take, what would it be like to take five seconds to just be like, hi. (laughs) Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I and felt. Also, I just even felt that when you did it, like, <sighs> like yeah. Just, and I, I think like, I love. I love how you come back to like, you know, there's people that have to do this, you know, because yeah. we don't want to go to the side of like shaming the people that are working because they have to do it. But like, yeah. it's like the difference of like understanding the why. Like, what is the motivation of this? The motivation is I have to. I have to like actually survive, and I have to work this amount of hours to pay to have shelter and food exactly yeah understand the motivation of that but if it's like well I'm doing this because I just can't be with myself yeah exactly that's different Mm -hmm. absolutely Yeah. yeah for sure yes absolutely there's definitely definitely a difference and and also uh you know can be definitely a privilege in feeling safe enough to tell people that you're not okay yeah, um, that's not always the case. Like, I'm not saying that whoever does that, like, oh, you're so privileged. But like, there are some people who literally don't have a person in their life that they can say, "I'm not doing this." Yeah, too. yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, I'm just kind of like taking this in now. I like, know, I know. I'm gonna to listen to this like five times. I think when it comes live, because there's <laughs> so much here. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think we should touch on this one too. Just sorry. I'm like, you're, I'm like, I could go through your whole Instagram and talk to you for 10 hours. (laughs) But I think we should touch on this too. Um, Trauma informed care has, has to address generational trauma. Oh my God. And me and Chantel just did a podcast on this not long ago. And we just touched Uh like tip of the iceberg. We didn't even really. I just got, even just hearing that, even though like I wrote it, I get chills because it is, that's, this is like the future of, I think, of trauma work yeah. is like healing your lineage. Yeah. Ooh, it's so deep. <laughs> it's yeah. so deep. What yeah. do you, why do you, why do you feel that way? I work with a lot of people from a lot of different lineages um, and who live in this lifetime as like a queer person or a trans person or kinkier poly person, my clients fall into, or survivor, all of my clients are at least one, if not all of those. And there are some things that are so explainable for this lifetime. And then there are some things that don't make a lot of sense um, from this life that just have to do with um, the literally like molecular makeup of people's bodies and, and again, nervous systems. So there's tons of research. I'm going to butcher like all of this because I'm, I'm so not a scientist, but I just hear about these things and I'm like, oh, cool. So if two people who have survived the same trauma, which is very common, marry and have children, they, the, that child's molecular makeup and nervous system will have changes because of the way that stress and trauma affect our bodies. And then we do pass that along through generations. And so if you look at major traumas, right, like these big giant cultural traumas, right, like the slave trade, the Holocaust, a lot of people found their partners and started lineages in those situations, right? 
And then what ends up happening is people, because it, there's this security, the safety of being known by someone who kind of like belongs to your cultural group or belongs to your uh, like lineage. And then you just keep passing that down through generations. Um, and this can be said about so many different people's experiences, like groups of people's experiences. And um, what what that does is it it you have a child who's born to with a sensitized nervous system already because of what their parents have been through. And then on top of it, you have two people who are trauma survivors raising a child and their caregiving is impacted by what they have been through. So if you have two parents who are like super hyper aroused because of what they've been through, like that kid is going to grow up with that sense too. So even if they're like the most loving, incredible parents ever, like they are still going to sort of pass that uh, hyper arousal along to their child. Um, or maybe the kid feels like they have to shut down in order to manage their parents' anxiety. And then they kind of live in that more numb, checked out space. So it impacts us physically it impacts our nervous system and impacts us emotionally. And then I have said something about this recently about how if the things that you learn about your people are these horror stories, which I think a lot of people can really relate to, Um, who come from really traumatized lineages where the stories of your people are people who, oh, they were one of 12 to survive or um, almost didn't make it. You know, then we, we, the stories we hear about ourselves are really powerful in the way we think about ourselves. And so um, if you're learning about these huge traumas in school every year and being exposed to photographs of people who look like you experiencing these traumas, like it really, really impacts our sense of self and our nervous system as well. So we just have to, the full context of someone's life isn't just their lifetime. It's about who they come from. Yeah. Wow. I just find that so interesting because I think that we always separate, like we think that our mental health is just mental, but it's so physical. And that is just another, I mean, I've read a lot about what you're talking about as well as how it's literally physically passed on. Yeah. Um, I just Mm -hmm. find that so incredibly interesting. So I'm glad that that's going to be something that's going to be more, um, I guess, just light within, within trauma work. Yeah, because it's so important. Yeah. I think we've disconnected the two. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even mm-hmm. for me, I do it. I mean, just because I'm kind of used to it, like, oh, I'm sick and that's my body. And then this is my brain. And I'm always trying to rewire that those are very, very much connected. Right. Yeah. Chantal, were you going to say something? Sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, um, yeah, I agree. I think it's the future too. And I love like the connection to um, what can happen on the physio- physiological level. Uh-huh. Um, so there is a study, I don't know if you know the details of this study about, um, the children who are born from a parent, one or two parents who have any sort of trauma and the levels of cortisol that, um, that child produces like right from birth. Yeah. The child has an experienced trauma, but the parents have, it impacts the levels of cortisol. So there's actually like on a neurochemical level, um, yeah. That, that child's nervous system is not from the get-go is not functioning. Yes. Yeah. Yep. No, absolutely. Yeah. There, there is a study that was done. Um, and all of this is also under the category of epigenetics yeah. and study was children of Holocaust survivors and their stress hormone levels. And they were just through the roof through many generations. And so you think about like, you know, um, feeling like, oh, that group of people, they're just really anxious or they're just really angry or they're just really whatever. And how much that does also have to do with like the what's happening in this lifetime, but also is just something that like we do end up being born with these like extra either stress hormones or just with our nervous system already having this set pattern from past. Yeah. Like 
past generations. And I love what you said about like the, the like constant repeating of the history and the stories and how that impacts people. And I was, I was just in Northern Canada in Uh Yellowknife, which is in the Northwest territories. And I was working with a group of indigenous entrepreneurs from the North. And um, I was talking about money and our relationship with money. And I brought, I brought up in my program, generational trauma and how generational trauma trauma will impact your relationship with money as an entrepreneur. One of the elders from the Inuit community pulled me aside and she goes, thank you so much Mm -hmm. because we constantly hear about our resilience. It's like you, the people in the North are so resilient. Mm -hmm. They've been through so much pain. You're so resilient. You're so resilient. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, we're constantly like hearing about all the pain that our, our people have gone through and we're being celebrated for our resilience. And what feels like is missing for us is the actual recognition of the trauma in our body. Yeah. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah. And she said that to me and I was like, I was just so tearing up. She was tearing up and she was very grateful for me even just talking about epigenetics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. I mean, like, I think that a lot of different groups of people have that similar narrative of like, wow, they're so resilient. Like they're still here after all of this colonial and xenophobic trauma. Yeah. They don't feel very resilient. They feel exhausted. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh, yeah. I mean, it really, um, yeah. And the, you know, also not just about mental health, but the higher rates of stress-related physical ailments and illnesses that these groups of people experience, right? Like higher rates of heart disease, cancer, fibromyalgia, um, like all of these things, like it really shows up, right? And like, there's, there's not a, it's not a coincidence that certain groups of people have higher rates of these things. Like it is so related to, stress equals inflammation equals sickness. And like, that is the story of so many people again in this lifetime and for many, many, many generations. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much. Yeah. I could talk about this all day. <laughs> I really but, yeah, I can pull up one more thing. <laughs> more I need more (laughs) I just think that this I think I really think that the way you have communicated about this is going to be so impactful for our audience because I think I think that what we're talking about um can be really hard to understand Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that we're also so conditioned to think like mental health and then physical health and like compartmentalizing all these parts of our being yeah yeah for me it's just like been a big relearning in the past few years of understanding that this is all one thing yeah and um everything that's happening is connected right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah sorry I just wanted there was one that I had saved and I didn't put it in our email so oh here it is (laughs) I don't even know if you're gonna know what to say about it but I just thought this was so amazing we heal and I I think it would be great to like end it off on this note because it'll Mm kind of give people maybe um some perspective about how to like, we've talked a lot about why this is happening and um, some of the issues that come about, but also like, what do we, what are some of the solutions, you know, and and, and healing. So I thought this was really good. We heal trauma through making meaning. What do Mm -hmm. you mean by that when you write that? Yeah. So 
the thing about this is that it's not that we, I think, have to subscribe to the trauma narrative or like the trauma survivor stereotype or however you want to say it of like, I'm so glad that blank trauma happened to me because it made me a blank person. And like, for some people that is how they feel. And that's great if that's how you make meaning, but there are other ways of saying like, I'm not glad that that happened, but like I have through this process been able to create peace for myself and can attribute to the place that I am because of what I've been through. So like, you know, like speaking of the word resilience, like maybe that horrible thing, you're not glad that it happened, but it did make you confront how truly resilient you actually are. Or maybe you would have never gotten into therapy to talk about actually a ton of other things that you needed to talk about, or um, just like have that therapeutic relationship for the first time if if blank horrible thing didn't happen. Um, Or maybe like your trauma got you to a meeting that had you meet the person who is your best friend or your lover or whoever, like we can find a way to sort of like, not glad that this happened, but I, I do see how I can weave it into the like blanket of my life and not just have it be this like part of myself or this experience that I want to like either shame or reject or like can't even look at. Um, and so like, I, you know, it's, it's the wounded healer, kind of idea, which is like, we get into this work because something has happened to us. And I wouldn't wish what, you know, a lot of people have been through on anybody, but it does usually, it can bring people to a place of higher awareness. Something that I'll say to my clients who've been in abusive relationships is I'm like, "Mm, well, you have a bullshit detector now that you can't really turn off, you know, and it's not to say like, oh, I'm so glad that you were abused, but it's like, you know what it's like to be treated like shit. And you will be able to very quickly identify if that's going to happen again. Um, and so again, like that's an example of making meaning or, you know, someone I think who also, gets- I think, sorry, I just wanted to jump in. Cause I was thinking, yeah. about, I'm thinking about this as you were speaking. It's like, I think it's also about understanding the importance of language because it's how we're speaking about it. That is so yeah. important. What you're pointing to or what I'm taking yeah. from is that the way you're speaking about whatever happened is so important because it changes how you feel about it. Yes, that as well. No, that's very true. Yeah, and to also hold space for you to be like, that was the worst thing that ever happened to me. I'm so pissed that it happened to me. Like, you can still say that, but to also be able to like, it's it's about integration. So can so trauma healing is, can you integrate this thing that has happened to you into your life? Or is it going to be this thing that haunts you or that is like, or that you've completely avoided? And so it's to say like, yes, I acknowledging this happened, And if you're able to also make the meaning of like, and it led me to this other place in my life that I'm really happy I I am, Um, you know, the thing that people say is like, I definitely could have gotten here a different way, but I, but that's not what happened. Right. Or like I, it shouldn't have gone on for as long as it did, but it did. (laughs) And here I am now out of it, you know, so there's all these ways of like acknowledging the pain and then also acknowledging where it got you. Totally. Totally. Amazing. Thank you so Uh much. Yeah, you're so welcome. So where where can we find you, Andrea? I, I want to hear a little bit more about your online programs. Yeah, um, they are not out yet, uh, but I have what I do have right now that I'm offering is I do have a training on utilizing the nervous system for resilience and coping, um, and it is for clinicians and for therapists and for any trauma workers. So that is available if folks want to reach out to me at Andrea Glick 
at gmail.com. Um, I can talk to you about that training that's online. It's also something that I do in person. I'm very happy to talk about any of this stuff pretty much anywhere. If you want to bring me, <laughs> um, I'm there. Uh, I so prefer in-person things like people are like, Oh, can you record this thing for me? And I'm like, yeah, I like being able to activate my like, you know, part of my nervous system that sees a person's face live. So, uh, I will go anywhere to do any of my trainings, but the trainings that are, will be recorded whenever I sit down in front of my computer. It's just that I hate it. Um, <laughs> I have a training about healing the nervous system and healing attachment through BDSM. I have a training about healing the nervous or utilizing the nervous system for coping, as I mentioned, but I will have one that's for, <laughs> bless you. Thanks. Um, that isn't for therapists. It's for anybody or therapists as well. Uh, and then I also will have an attachment training, healing your attachment style, what attachment is. Um, so those are the ones that are like on my tongue. I just need to do it. Uh, but they will be available on my website eventually. Um, and if you are in the New York area, I sometimes have slots here and there that open up in my practice. Um, and again, I always love doing my more educational work and will come to any like university or organization or practice or whatever to talk about any, anything that anybody wants me to talk about. <laughs> amazing. And if you can share your amazing Instagram handle, because it needs to be. Oh yes. You can also find me at somatic witch. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so yeah. much, Andrea. This was awesome. I think it'll be so, so cool. important and like impactful for our listeners to kind of um, understand this on a deeper level. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they were great. They were very like well-crafted questions. I always appreciate when people actually look at what I do uh, when they, you know, go to do that. So I appreciate sure, you. Sure. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, Andrea. Yeah, thank you both.